We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roods podcast. This episode 55 of the pod, we're, we're going at it for a double nickel here matter. Uh, joined now by Matt Rooney. We got some things to talk about. Golf season ramping into form as the playoffs come down the stretch here in the NHL. And uh, we're right in the thick of it with the NBA. So plenty to talk about. Cubs and Sox uh, look to be, once again, diverging different direct- directions as they converge this weekend for a crosstown series. Uh, one team seems to have broken out of a slump yesterday. One team seems to be in the midst of a slump. So, Matt, with that, I welcome you in. Let's uh, let's lead things off in the NBA. And when we're leading things off in the NBA, Matt, there's only one thing to talk about right now, and his name's LeBron James. Now, i, I got to be honest with you. that I was so tuned out of that Raptors-Cavs series after Game 3 that I forgot it was last night. Like, I forgot Game 4 was last night. I had to double-check to realize that they did get, indeed get blown out last night. You didn't uh, miss much. I, that's what yeah, I heard. After the, I, after the I, second I my quarter, eyes on the, uh, the other playoffs, uh, if you don't win. Yeah. But uh, I think I caught enough of that series in games one through three to know exactly what was going to happen there in game four. Yeah, um, uh, it was it was a game until about midway through the second. The Cavs then finished the, the second half, the second quarter, pardon me, on a uh, 12-0 run, which opened up the gap and... Uh, the Raptors were never able to close it. It was a, another dominant performance by, Le- performance by LeBron James. And while just a week and a half, two weeks ago, we were worried about uh, you know the Cavs making it out of the first round. Would this be the first time that a LeBron James-led team lost in the first round? He comes out, does this in the second round, and uh, once again, I think, takes the mantle of favorite in the East right now. I think, yeah, I think he has to be. I think another thing this shows is how good of a team Indiana actually was. Mm-hmm. Because like Cleveland isn't playing much, I feel like they're not playing too much different than they were in that series. Indiana was just better; they were a lot mentally stronger, and they were better in bigger moments. Whereas Toronto, I'm not sure how you can bring this team back. How you yeah. can keep bringing back a core of you know Lowry, DeRozan, Lowry and DeRozan as your one-two punch when they can't even sniff a win. I mean, I know they had two one-point losses here, but I don't think. Anybody after game one thought this series was even in question anymore. I, I know that I think they were technically even the, the favorites headed into game one, which I'm not really sure how that was possible. But I, I don't think you can bring this team back. I mean, I know LeBron's on an epic, you know, maybe, maybe the best playoffs of his career, uh, looking at the numbers and the, the team he's playing with. But at the same time, this, this is such an epic failure on Toronto's part with how good they were in the regular season. I don't know how you can bring anyone back. I honestly, and Matt, you say the best postseason for LeBron James. This is arguably the best postseason of ever. anyone ever. It's absolutely astounding what we're watching and what we're getting to see every other night. And I don't want to have the the Michael versus LeBron conversation right now because it's futile. There's no answer to that conversation. But saying at this point in LeBron's career, there's no way that he could emerge as the greatest of all time or however you want to define it. He is undoubtedly the best athlete to play this game. He is the best player on the court night in and night out, and he shows it. He's doing things at the age of 33 that 22, 24-year-olds can't do. The game winner in game three was a shot that I don't think we've seen anyone make 
in recent memory. I, I've never seen someone dribble the length of the court and hit a fadeaway one-handed glass from 20 feet. That was that was something new, and that's probably a shot that he practiced 15 or 500 times this season alone. These are things that he's prepared himself for, and I think to strictly say, you know, Michael's the GOAT, I don't want to hear any other arguments, just isn't fair, because this is a guy now who's who's probably, barring any sort of catastrophe, going to finish his career with the most points all time. He'll be top 10 in assists, or top top 10 in rebounds, and top 25 in assists. And no one, no one else is in that air. He's now only second to Magic Johnson for postseason triple doubles. He's got 21. It, the list goes on of things that he's accomplishing, records he's breaking and approaching each and every night of these playoffs. It's it's astounding what you he's know, doing. For, for me, it, it, I think you had said it very well, and it, it's not a debate. There shouldn't be a debate because there is no answer, and it, it's one that you know will never end because no one, you know, no side would ever. I don't think will ever really cave to the other. But some of this, the, these lines that I've seen from LeBron, like when I don't watch a game, I usually check the box score, see what happened, see what he did. And I'll see, you know, LeBron had 26, 11, and 8. And I'll just be like, oh, that was okay. That was quiet, and like, yeah. And, and he's and, averaging and like 35. He's averaging like 35. And LeBron Knight, oh he, he near, he's two assists away from a triple-double, has 26, 11, and 8. I'm like, oh, that's, that's just a normal LeBron. Like, that's like that's not even impressive to me. Like, I'm not impressed by LeBron until mm-hmm. I see, like, 35-plus points in a triple-double. Yeah. And that's, and, that's and, I think, the greatest, you know, statement to you know to his you know what he's doing his greatness right now is how yeah. unimpressed we are by his outstanding lines that if anybody else goes out and dropped there if Tamar DeRozan went out in a 26-11 and 8 we'd say he was unbelievable he took over the game yeah we're, we're lucky to be watching what we're watching right now and say what you want about the guy say what you want about his uh you know tendency to do a little whining on court he's he's just a fantastic talent and I think what we saw I know you didn't you said you were super locked into Game Four, but what I was we saw last, last night, Joe. What we yeah, what we saw last night was an actual team effort from the Cavs. It didn't have to be LeBron taking forty shots. It was LeBron facilitating. It was Jr. knocking down some shots. Kevin Love knocking down some shots. And, and when they're playing team basketball and not only having LeBron perform at the level that he's performing at, they're a dangerous team that once again can. Come out of the East. I hesitate to say that they can contend with either the Rockets they're, or they're the Golden State Warriors. Well, this will be. This is most likely going to be go another LeBron James trip to the to the finals, and it'll be interesting to see how history remembers all these trips that that turn into losses. Will we remember the details of the losses of the six seven game series, or will we just see LeBron as a three three time champion and? And this will be his seventh loss or sixth well, loss. I think you'll have time. people. You know, you'll have certain people who want to defend. You know, say it's unbelievable that he got to this many consecutive finals. You know, win or lose. But at the end of the day, you also have those people who are saying, like, you know, what other team did he actually have to go through in the East? Which is also somewhat a valid argument through this time. I mean, the only real 2015 Bulls. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that, there you go. The 2015 Bulls. Uh, but I, I forgot I forgot where I was going here with this. Sorry, I, lost, I lost my train of thought. You, you interject like that. No, um, I was going to say, I, I, I don't think if it is Golden State that they really have much of a chance because once that team gets there, I, I just, they're not going to lose in the finals to really anybody. But if somehow mm-hmm. Houston is able to get by them, are you going to tell me you don't trust 
LeBron James in a seven-game series over James Harden in a seven-game series because I know it's you know they're two teams and they play team basketball. It's going to come down to the stars at some point, and James Harden has shown in the past that he kind of tends to fold in those big moments one way or another. Yeah, he's. Uh, I feel like he's dispelled some of those uh, some of those naysayers this season and just the way that he's performed. He uh, obviously, I think... He hasn't really first, had the pressure on this. He hasn't had the pressure moment. He hasn't been facing yeah, that's, elimination. That's he hasn't been in a 2-2 series yet. They, Once yeah, he gets they, the Golden State tied 2-2 or even you know down 2-1, whatever, I, I, I want to see how he's going to perform because that, that's when it's been his undoing in the past. Yeah, they've coasted a little bit. And some, some ruffles between him and Chris Paul right now. I've seen a couple huddles where uh, they're kind of going at each other a little bit, so not exactly... Uh, your stars aren't exactly on the same page, whereas that doesn't seem to be the case with Golden State or LeBron James and whoever else he's playing with. So it should is be. It, uh, is, the, is the Golden State series over yet? No, they have another. Golden, they have, it's not game, game five. five right? Game five is tonight at uh, in Golden State. Um, it should be over tonight, so okay, we will yeah. see. Uh, we will see what happens. But uh, did you see signs, Rondo's line from game three? I did not see it. John Rondo's line from game three was awesome. He had a double double without the points. He had four points, twenty-one. That's a very, ro- a very thing. It was, yeah. and he also got you know a, a scrum with Draymond Green because that's what Rajon Rondo does. I, I don't know what it is about the playoffs, but that guy turns into like his old twenty-five-year-old self. While he still can't score, he finds a way to be effective in literally every other facet of the game and be almost a star effort in those dimensions of basketball. Yeah, and it's totally a renaissance. We, I, we, no one saw this coming from. Uh, coming from Rondo at, at this point of his career, I think we all saw his better days behind him, and he's come out and I feel like really helped. Uh, year, people thought he was going to retire. People thought, you know, I think the Pelicans yeah. kind of just took a flyer on him. People thought that might be the end of Rondo. He's going to get into coaching, and there he is, starting for the Pelicans. I know they're not going to win the series, but they took a game from the Warriors in the playoffs. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good run. And, and not to go too far the other direction here, but I've, I've watched this series pretty closely out here, and. It's been interesting to watch the Pelicans post Boogie. And you don't want to say a, a team is a better team. You don't want to say a team's a better team without a star, without arguably the best big man in the league. But Boogie and Anthony Davis don't exactly work together on the court. And I'm not saying like like relationship wise, but just their games Style, are, they want to do. both guys are so close to the hoop that things get crowded down there sometimes. Taking Boogie off the court or having to take Boogie off the court spaced the court a bit and I think allowed Rondo to better just be Rajon Rondo and create passing lanes. Things of that sort. So if if you're them, I mean, obviously you have to also worry about, you know, Boogie's health. I mean it, it, Big guys don't necessarily always come back from Achilles injuries and are mm-hmm. the same player right away. I mean, I think if I'm them, I I'm leaning towards. I'm not going to give you a max deal. I'm going to, you know, I don't know who they who's up. I think uh, I know Nico has one more year. I think Rondo probably needs a new deal. I think it's under one year deal. But like, I think I'm spreading that money around. You know, two or three pieces that can actually come in and help me compete because if they're playing that well, they're playing that well down the stretch, and Anthony Davis is at the level he's at. That mm-hmm. team isn't far off from being a team who can compete. I mean, not probably beating a series yet, but compete with the, you know, the, the best in the West and maybe win a game or two. They can compete with Utah in, in you know, in seven-game series. They can be one of those upper-tier Western Conference teams, you know, right below the elite. Yeah, Boogie, a unrestricted free agent this off season. Matt, if you can guess within a million dollars either way, 
what Boogie Cousins made this year, I will give you uh, lunch on me when I come home. Oh, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Seventeen million. Ooh, lunch is on me. Eighteen million six hundred fifty. Hey, all right, fifty. I was actually watching The Price is Right earlier this morning. I only watch The Price is Right when I'm sick. It's a personal well, rule. I was I was on the uh, I was on the treadmill and they had those TVs in front of you. So The Price mm-hmm. is Right gone. I zoned out while watching The Price is Right. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> Um, all right. I was well, afraid you were going to make fun of me for saying I was working out because last time I told you no. I went to a gym, you made fun of me. No, I completely support you working out. Don't need to flaunt it in front of my face because when I do that, I get taken to task. But I don't no, want to. No, 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 no. You get taken to task when you're telling me about how when you I go to Pilates, Pilates and, and hot yoga and all that stuff. That's going uh, out of okay. your way to tell me what you're doing. I just said I went to the gym. That's a normal thing that 90% of Americans do. Okay. Well, you be a sheep. I'll be out here with the lions. We both point. know I've always been a follower. <laughs> Matt, uh, I'm going to need you to lead on this one because this is where, oh. this is where you take uh, I can do this, this is where one. you take precedent always. Uh, we're we're going to talk a little NHL playoffs. The Washington Capitals dispelling Cap- all dispelling all doubters where another team that it didn't look like they were going to make it out of the first round now heading to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in, I believe, was it 18 first years? First time in Ovi's career he will be, he's passed the second round. And I, yeah, I think he was 18. eight years old last time that they... Uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to believe that a player this great, not only ha- hasn't been to a Stanley Cup Finals, like that's hard to believe, but you, like, the fact that they hadn't even won two playoff series before. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm guessing you didn't see too much of that game because I think you were probably focused a little bit more on the uh, the NBA there. But that was one of the. I have four. I have four monitors in the sports office. Oh, well, there you go. Last game. So it was on. I was watching it, but uh, but it was not directly in front of me. I mean, it was. It, it went almost exactly like how I thought that game was going to go. I kind of thought Washington yeah. would jump out to a lead. I thought Pittsburgh Pittsburgh would come back and then kind of rip their hearts out at the end to force Game Seven. Then I figured Pittsburgh would blow them out in Game Seven. But mm-hmm. it. It, it, that's what happened. You know, Washington took the lead. Pittsburgh kind of came back. And then the last 10 minutes of the third period, Washington just absolutely dominated. They had three or four A-plus chances where they either robbed or you know hit a post or went wide. And it went in overtime. They didn't get to take care of it. Like, this is when that you know, chief goal from the top, you know, from the high slot that Braden Holpe never even sees, you know, it gets redirected four times and goes in. And then we go back for game seven, and that's where Washington blows it. But somehow they, 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 they kept pushing credit to the leadership in that group. They, they came out in overtime and for the most part carried play again. And then that breakaway from Evgeny, Evgeny Kuznetsov to ice it was, was really fun to watch. But that was one of the better games of the playoffs, I thought, of, of not just that series, but all the NHL playoffs. That one was a ton of fun to watch. Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of good hockey. And uh, to see Ovi get to this point, and he dropped the F-bomb on my TV yesterday. He just seems genuinely excited to be having this type of success. And it's, when, when, again, let's not get too deep into the marketability of the sport, but when you got teams like Winnipeg, Nashville, um, lesser hockey towns, love, I love think. How you, a, you love how you got me there just by telling me let's not get into that debate now. <laughs> just, just hold your horses. I'll hold but my horses. It, it, I won't do that. I feel like it's important to... And I think everyone's a little bit tired of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh won't have their back-to-back-to-back championships, which is a good thing. Uh, but um, I think it's important to have a name like o- o- Ovechkin and a team like the Caps 100%. that are recognizable outside of the sport 
have some sort of interest. Maybe, maybe even there are some viewers who are tuning in now at this point because they heard, you know, oh, the Caps made it to this point. Let's watch Ovechkin. I haven't watched hockey in two years. No, I, I totally agree, and I, I'm with you. I think it's that, from that standpoint, you definitely want you know one or two of those teams to make it past the conference finals. And I, I'm I, I'm really glad we're going to get to see Ovechkin and that group kind of in that stage because we've never seen them in that stage before. And you talked about you know the Ovechkin post game interview where you know he swore and you dropped the f bomb, talked about how happy he was. Mm-hmm. Usually, a lot of the times, especially I feel like in hockey of all sports, you, you get the generic answer in the ice interview. Like, yeah, you know it was a great win. You know we're, we're excited, but we also got some work to do. All that kind of crap. It was kind of cool to see Ovechkin, like, pretty much say how big of a deal it was. Like, this is yeah. awesome. Like, it's, we, we haven't done this really before. Like, did, did you see him kind of be genuinely like, yeah, obviously we're worried about the next round, but this is, this is awesome. This is, this is great. I've never done this before. This is really cool. Like, they finally got that monkey off their back. And that was yeah. a, a lot of fun to see. Now, Usually I've been a pro Crosby Penguins in that rivalry, but last night I was absolutely working, rooting for the Cavs. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain to me why Game Seven between Winnipeg and Nashville isn't until Thursday? Um, what's today? Tuesday. Yeah, did they play yet? They played Monday, so that's a three-day layoff. They played, yeah, they played yesterday, so they're off. Tuesday. Well, I mean, it it would normally be scheduled for Wednesday. I feel like a lot so of Tuesday, times, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's only a two-day layoff. That's only a two-day layoff. Uh, usually, you, you'll see. You know the the every other night, even if they have the travel. I feel yeah. like a lot of times with Game Seven, though, if it you know with the travel involved, they usually try to give them that extra day. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm guessing it also had to do with the scheduling of, of other series, and, uh, and I'm guessing they had you know if necessary Game Seven scheduled around there. Gotcha. But, yeah, uh, I, I had I had an extra day in there for some reason. I was thinking that it was Sunday night, not Monday night. Yeah, math, math is uh, math is hard. Yeah, it's tough. So, it's it's not good me. with math. Gets me. Uh, uh, so are you are you standing pat on your uh, on your predictions? Even though we got a game seven coming, I'm sticking with Winnipeg. I'm sticking with Tampa in the East. I, I like where I'm at. I know Winnipeg got uh, ended up losing. I think it was four nothing last night. I think and Nashville added an empty net or two uh, to make four. But I thought they looked pretty good last night. I thought they controlled a lot of the, the play. They just, they got three early power plays, couldn't convert on any of them, and, and Nashville got a couple of nice bounces, got some goals, capitalized. Uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to trust Winnipeg in Game 7. Pecorine, I'm, I'm not going to trust in Game 7. I, mm-hmm. I've really had no reason to do that in the past. I'm not, not going to start now, Joe. And, and Matt, you bring up goaltending. Just got to watch Marc-Andre Fleury put on an absolute clinic in a Game 6 against, uh, against the San Jose Sharks out here. Uh, the Knights quietly on the other side. Those guys am- fun. Amazing hockey. They're fun to watch. They have just enough bad. They have just enough bad blood in them. Uh, you know, nasty streak in them where they're they're not afraid to go at your neck, but they're skilled too. And I really didn't watch them much this season until this series with the Sharks. And it doesn't make sense how they're doing what they're doing. But once you see them on the ice playing the way they're playing with the goaltending of Flurry behind them, they look like that, they look like that, a team that could contend for a cup. That part can't be undersold because as fast and as, as well as they're playing offensively and you know playing uh, defensively as well, I, I guess. Um, Mark Andre Fleury, I think he has four shutouts in ten games. Four shutouts he's, in ten. He's recorded shutouts, shutouts in ten games. Half his playoff game. Four shutouts in ten games. In the first round, he only allowed four goals in that four-game sweep. Yes. In the second round, he's had two shutouts. The other two games, you know. Not things happen. You can't, you can't have can't have a shutout every game, but 
when he is playing that way, it's obvious it turns into a W. You know, and it's it, hard. Is, it's hard to win without scoring a goal. I guess is my point here, Matt. I don't know if that checks out. No, that that uh, I checked uh, checked the math on that one. Joe. That is that does <laughs> that check out. You cannot win a hockey game without scoring a goal. That is true. Um, but no, he he's been on fire. And part of me, I think it was my brother brought it up to me last night when when the Caps uh, were watching Caps tens, but. Kind of like part of me thinks this is why like Washington finally gets by Pittsburgh this year because Vegas makes it out of the West and then Mark Andre mm-hmm. Fleury beats the Caps in the final so the Pens can beat the Caps one more time and that'd I be, thought that was that was that'd be awesome. fantastic storyline oh my fantastic god ending oh yeah, and he takes up because of Mark Andre Fleury before Fleury picks up the cup he takes off his Caps jersey and still has a Pens jersey on him <laughs> <laughs> or he takes off his uh, Vegas jersey. <laughs> But whoever does come out of the West, though, in this Game 7, I, I said that this, and I, I think I gave a preview for, for Jets Predators, saying this could be the most fun playoff series in mm-hmm. you know recent memory, and it's absolutely lived up to that hype. It's been a ton of fun to watch. Vegas and whoever wins this series is going to have a chance to rival that with how well and how fun and how fast all these teams are playing. That's going to be a heck of a series to watch in the East. I, I think it'll be a good series, but I think Tampa is really just too good. And I think Washington might be, you might see a little bit of a hangover effect, a little bit more of a, you know, emotional high that you, you tend to have a little bit of that letdown after finally getting over that hump. Is this the first game seven of the playoffs? Have we seen, I'm trying to think, have we seen a game seven yet this playoffs? I think that's the only thing that's been missing. Oh, we had one in round one, didn't we, somewhere? The more game sevens, but I'm trying to think what the round one results were, but who got great who right game seven? Yeah. But nonetheless, no, there was definitely uh, one. There's one I can't think of it. I don't know why I'm yeah. not being able to think of it. But it should well, be uh, it should, should be a good one on Thursday. Let's advance and then throughout the podcast when I remember it, I'll just yell it. Perfect. Yeah, whenever okay. you like, okay. <laughs> just just yell it out, uh, Matt. We got to get into a little baseball here. The Cubs coming off a five game losing streak, I believe. They just right, they, they won for, five uh, and they dropped five. Yeah, they won five, dropped five, and then uh, exploded for fourteen. I believe it was yesterday against against the Marlins. Uh, Looked like the big bats were out. Everybody feeling good. Does the streakiness of this team, you know, five win five, lose five, never a bad thing, but it's not a good thing either. Um, You'd like to if you're going to go five and five in a ten game stretch, you don't want it to be that streaky. That key towards anything is that telling us anything about this team? I mean, it it reminds me a lot of last year. Uh, I think we've talked about it, but. They were a streaky team last year. They they would go on these ultimate highs where they'd, you know, be scoring, you know, 10 runs a game for two or three in a row, and then they'd get shut out two or three in a row. Uh, and I'm still interested to see what they do tonight because they've had this season, even these eruptions where their bats show up and they look alive and you're saying that lineup's back, and then the next night they go out and lose 2-1 to a pitcher who, you know, had never really heard of. Uh, so I, yeah. I'm really more interested in seeing what they do tonight, and I know that, I'm not. I don't necessarily buy the whole lack of consistency in the lineup kind of messes with the players because I, I don't think that is that much of an issue. I, I know sometimes it's nothing it's, new. They, they've no, dealt with it, it for the last they, three, it's been four three years. years, and they fit, they yeah. hit the ball fine. It, it's not like this is coming out of nowhere. They they know what to expect. And when you think about it, I mean, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant are really you know they're hitting in the same spot every night. It's really the other guys, and, and I don't think. Any of those other guys throughout that lineup aren't, like you said, aren't used to hitting different places in the lineup every night. What, what I will say though, and I'm, I, you, you, and I remember when we had Cap on last year uh, to talk about the Cubs struggling things halfway through the season, got on me a little bit when I said I think the Cubs do miss that true leadoff hitter. 
when Dexter mm-hmm. Fowler left. I, I don't think that lineup's really been as consistent. I don't think it's been the same. And I'm, I'm going to stick to that. I, I really do think a lot of a lot of lineups, that one especially, was a lot better when they had a consistent presence at the top of the lineup. But Dexter Fowler, who was getting on base, you know, a good amount, who was hitting around 290, and taking pressure off the rest of the lineup. I think the inconsistency at the top of that order has leaked down a little bit. I think it's a little, obviously a little bit easier when you have runners on ahead of you. And I think it shows when they've had Albert Almora in the lineup. I think they're 14 and six, and he's been leading off most of those uh, most of those games. And I think they're hitting something like 360 as a team. So I really think either settle on Almora, go find somebody, but get a leadoff guy to be that steady presence at the top. Yeah, and you bring up a point there with the team batting average, Matt. I, I know it's not the early 2000s, and people don't put as much onus on batting average, but you can't have Anthony Rizzo hitting 177. No at this point in the season. You can't have Anthony Rizzo with only four home runs and 14 RBIs at this point in the season. There isn't a consistency there. There's only only one player on the roster right now hitting over 300, and Ben Zobrist, and he's been, he hasn't been an everyday player. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's, got, he's played in 22 games I'm looking at right here. He's got 71 at-bats. So you can even throw that one out, and then Tommy Lastella is hitting for your best average behind Zobrist. So there is... I feel like this team, we've always, at least in the case of Javi and a couple other guys, said, you know, the strikeouts are going to be there. The outs are going to be there. The 0 for 5 days are going to be there, but they're mm-hmm. going to turn it around. Uh, they're going to figure it out. It doesn't work when the whole lineup is having exactly. similar struggles. That's what, that's what worries me. Uh, and I, I think those worries are justified. And, I, I mean, this team, they're so talented that they are capable of going as far as they want. But like you said, those, those valleys are low enough where they can go into mm-hmm. these walls. And they're, they're going to be there in the playoffs just because they are that talented. And the, the more talented team, you know, nine times out of ten, usually figures out a way to get themselves back there eventually. But you have to be worried about that consistency come October because they, you saw it last year with the Dodgers. They, they, went, they faced some good pitching, and that lineup pretty much went into a collective slump. Their big bats went silent, and they, you know, bowed out in five games. Yeah, consistency aside, the entire NL Central playing similar baseball right now. The Cubs sitting in second to last place, just two and a half back of St. Louis. Cincinnati is the only team that's really played themselves out of contention here. Uh, uh, eight and twenty-seven to start the season. The Reds. So, did you um, uh, did you see the, the end of that machine. Sunday night game? Uh, Sunday night uh, Cubs card. I did not. Fowler's wa- Fowler hit a, a. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Two strike walk off. It was like yeah. just, you see how close Seward was to grabbing it. Yep. He timed yeah. that jump perfectly. I thought he was going to rob it and just outstretch it. That was one of the cooler endings. And not as a Sox, it was just kind of a right down the middle baseball fan. The storyline, obviously, that was a really cool, fun moment to see because the Cardinals are pretty dead in the water there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt, being out here, watched, uh, seen a lot of A's, seen a lot of Giants right now. The A's playing surprisingly good baseball, slump in the last week, but, uh, Manaya is looking fantastic. But last night, they watched George Springer hit six, got six hits last night. And that I haven't looked so at the, good. the stats or anything on it or when the last time that was done. But he had a six-hit night. The A's lost to the, to the uh, pardon me, the Houston Astros. I believe the final score was 16-2, to two, and uh, Springer had six hits. So yep, just, I, I had it. there's some there's some great things going on. Point being, there's some great things going on around the league that once we get beyond uh, the NBA and uh, 
the NHL playoffs, I think that there will be some interesting baseball to keep an eye on here in the summer months. Houston does not look like they're uh, they're they're suffering from much of a World Series hangover. Mm-hmm. They're, they're looking like they're going to slump anytime soon. Verlander and Garrett Cole, obviously Garrett Cole wasn't part of the uh, the World Series team, but but those two I think both have ERAs and the one still that pitching staff is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. The lineup is like you said, Springer had six hits last night. Carlos Correa is having himself a good year. I, I had a chance to see them when they were at the, at the cell a couple weekends ago. And, oh, that lineup is so much fun to watch it. It was the night where Lucas Giolito just absolutely got wrecked, but they had, like, mm-hmm. six hits in the first inning and dropped, like, eight runs. They're so dangerous top to bottom. There isn't an easy out one through nine. Yeah. You go through that yeah, lineup, and there is not one guy that say, like, okay, we, we got him coming up. We can kind of roll him over, whatever. Like, they are all tripped. Even their bottom-of-the-order guys, like Evan Gaddis is a high strikeout guy, but he's uh-huh. capable of going deep every time he's up there. Yeah, there there's no yeah. safe, we're relaxed type of bat. And I think that the thing that is telling of them making another run here is they haven't had the normal setbacks that a champion usually does, whether it's the slow start, whether it is uh, the injury bug early on, whatever it may be, they've they've just kind of jumped right back, picked right back up where they left off. So uh, going to be going to be another uh, tough summer if you, if you're looking at the, the Astros on the other side of the diamond, but. Uh, your, your Northern California update here with the with the San Francisco Giants as well. Johnny Cueto. Uh, Johnny Cueto will not require Tommy John surgery. Thank God, Joe, he was Andrew. The stud of my yeah, fantasy but, team. I couldn't afford it. I could not have afforded well, that loss. Well, he's he's shelved for six to eight weeks, and just yeah, because he doesn't, just because he's not getting Tommy months. John, just because he's not getting Tommy John right now, doesn't mean he's not going to need Tommy John down the line. He's a 33 year old, I believe. Might might even be older than that. With elbow inflammation, with heavy miles on that arm, I think we're seeing the downturn of Johnny Cueto. This is also simultaneously when Jeff Samarja is coming back from a DL stint to start the season, can't really find his groove, got tagged for five runs in five innings last night, two big homers. Uh, so the Sharks struggling on his own. Madison Bumgarner still not going to see any action for at least another month. Had the pins removed last week out of his hand. He started throwing this week, but that means, usually means they're about a month away. Mm-hmm. So uh, all in all, light on the, light at the they've, managed, they've managed to play good enough baseball it, it, over this stretch of, of pitcher merry-go-round that they're playing, that they're three games over 500, four and a half games back with the Diamondbacks in first place. So yeah, they're kind of treading them. water until they can get a consistent pitching staff is what it looks like. It's helped them in that division that the Dodgers, while the Astros aren't suffering really from a World Series hangover, the, the Dodgers, Dodgers look like they're, they're, they're suffering from a little bit of a, a World Series loss <laughs> hangover. hangover. Obviously some injury troubles there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Never want to, never want to see Tommy John on a middle infielder. Not what you're looking for. Um, but they, I mean, health wise, if the Giants can just kind of tread water and kind of be hanging around, I, I don't think like, the Diamondbacks are playing really well. I'm still not sure that they're a team that's going to absolutely pull away in that division. Mm-hmm. If they can get healthy, the Giants have the lineup and the rotation to compete with anybody out there. And they need to do it now because this was this was not a team that was built for the long term. No, they you go into the offseason and you sign two thirty year old plus for for a lot a lot of money uh, in Longoria and McCutcheon. You bring in Austin Jackson as well, and it, now is the time for this team. Mm-hmm. So um, it's uh, it's going to be a fun watch over here as well, Matt. But uh, we gotta we gotta talk our stuff. We feel like you know we're in that 
we're in that uh, major lull right now uh, between the for the, between the Masters time. and the U.S. Open. And yes, for the last time, thankfully, because next year the scheduling will be shifted. The PGA Championship will fall. It'll be right around between, PGA time now, I think. Right? Yeah, right around now. Um, I think. What, what happens to the players? Do they bump the players? Players bump up to March. Players, okay, players, bump players up like March. March 27th or something like that. Gotcha. Well, this year the Players Championship being uh, played at uh, TPC Sawgrass as it is every year. Going to be I a great watch this weekend. And uh, I know it's one of your favorites, one of the greatest amphitheaters in sports at 17, uh, where, where championships are won and lost. The defending champ is, correct me if I'm wrong, Ricky Fowler? No, that was two years ago, Fowler. Who won it last year? Question. I don't remember who won it last year, Joe. That's what we have. Yeah, well, that you look great. it up. You look it up while I whack politely about I, the tournament. I, I, okay. Well, the field is fantastic. You got Tiger. You got Dustin. You got Spieth. You got Mickelson. You got Thomas. Everybody is there, and that's how it is this week. It is a who's who, and for a lot of these guys, this course is in their backyard, if not a two-hour drive away from where they call home. So, a very comfortable feeling. Um, Florida has somewhat become at least the East Coast home of golf. And this is where the PGA headquarters are right there at TPC. Uh, just a lot of history has been made at this course in the last decade, two decades. And I hope this, uh, this weekend we can see another installment into that history. Joe, this is my, did I fill, did I fill enough time there? You did. Uh, well, my, my internet's moving a little bit slow, so not quite yet. Uh, but I do think it was Mark Leishman, so we're just going to go with that for now. Yeah, until I it believe it was otherwise. Mark Leishman. So. Um, this is also my yearly reminder to tell you that I've played Sawgrass twice. Yes, and uh, do you think you can contend out there? Because uh, uh, No, I could not contend big, out there. I wouldn't come close. Big pairings, big pairings Thursday, Friday. I believe we're looking at a Mickelson-Woods-Fowler, uh, I think it was. I think, I think it's you're, uh, I did, Thursday, I, you're, Friday you're, pairing. I think you're absolutely And then there's a... Thompson McElroy Spieth pairing. So those are your two marquee pairings, and I could watch those six guys play golf until until the end of time. So it's going to be, it's gonna be a I'm really doing fun Thursday weekend. And Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off Thursday, Friday too. So if you need me, I'll be on the couch. Yeah, you probably got to wake up kind of early for that one, though. Uh, not terribly, but uh, yeah, they're one of the early nice times. Co- no, I it was early. not Mark Leishman. Who was it? It was it was Si Woo Kim. Siwoo Kim last year? Siwoo Kim pulled away the Louis Oosthuizen and Ian Poulter by three shots at 10 under. Joe. Oh, I do remember that because we, it was like a, it was an anyone but Poulter situation. I yeah, we, I think we talked about it on here and we're saying what is a Siwoo Kim when he won. Well, but me, he won. Get me back to the, get me back to the Ricky Fowler air where he birdied 17 five of the six times he saw it, including the playoff two years ago. That was a lot of fun. So I would hopefully we could see that. some. Hopefully we can see some seventeenth uh, hole drama there as well, Matt. Um, before we before we jump before we jump into grievance, uh, Tiger back in action last week. The putter just cold as ice. Not that necessarily the tournament. Not necessarily the tournament you want to be coming into having to figure out the putter. But they say patience is what you need at Sawgrass. I, I hope uh, we'll see a picture of Tiger's patience here at Sawgrass, if nothing else. The putting worries me a little bit because I know he had a long layoff and, you know, tournament putting isn't the same as, you know, putting when you're just playing. But um, that was always kind of, along with the short game, he always had mm-hmm. issue, you know, his, his first couple, you know, quote-unquote comebacks where, you know, years ago, whatever. That was always his issue. He was never making, you know, the, the eight, nine, ten footers. He was always kind of off and, you know, at some points not even all that close. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's a worrisome issue for me because what he had been doing 
himself in these tournaments earlier was he was his short game was great and he was making a good amount of putts. And if he's not making putts, he's not going to contend, especially at the players. The reason that it doesn't worry me, or the reason that I draw a silver lining in it, is the fact that if he needs to work it, it's a part of his game that I'm not worried about him working eight hours a day. He can go into his backyard, into his beautiful practice facility or wherever he's at, and hit putts all day long. It's not physically strenuous. It's not like he's having to figure out a tempo or figure out a swing. He yeah. He's fallen into his swing. We're not worried. He doesn't look like he's going at it too hard. He's not compressing too hard. He's not dipping at impact. He's... It seems that he's found his swing. He needs to now find this touch on and around the greens. And uh, I guess that's the silver lining I draw on it, is that he can put endless hours of work into this part of the game without taxing his body more than he needs to at this point in his career. I really wish I had one of those facilities, practice areas in my backyard. Right? Yeah, like with a nice? touch of grass. Yeah. Just go back out there. I'm going to hit some chips. going to puddle. All you've got to do is win 14 majors, and it's, uh, it's all yours. Yeah, so if I don't have one by now. <laughs> you're, off, you're off the pace. You're off the pace. I'm a little now. bit off. I'd have to go on a hell of a run, and I don't think I got that in me. Sounds exhausting. All right. Well, you want to hit the music? I got a reason. Speaking of, before we hit the music, I do, we were speaking of majors and people trying to compete in them. I mm-hmm. want to give a, a little a little shout out to my brother. Uh, oh, Mike yeah. is competing uh, uh, a week from today. Probably be wrapping up his round when we're starting the podcast, but he is in a U.S. Open qualifier out at the Irish course at Whistling Straits. So, but right. uh, I just want to wish him some good luck, and if, if and when he gets to the U.S. Open, we'll get a Moose and Runes patch printed out. We can oh, put that on the sleeve, and it'll be great. No yeah. free ads. No, no free, free ads. We'll, we'll, we'll have that walking around uh, Shinnecock. We'll have the Moose and Runes patch right, on, right there on the left sleeve. Absolutely. It, uh, it, it could work out. I think, I think things could work out here. Um, but now, as I said, yeah, hit the music. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, Matt, not a huge grievance today, but... uh, you know, we got to get a little NFL into the show, and, and I got I got something to say. The uh, NFL Top 100 rankings are coming out intermittently over these last few weeks. I believe they're into the 70s now, and it's just just being at this point. Maybe when you get into the top 10, it's a lot easier to rank guys and you know their value or their play. But uh, I don't understand how you decipher player number 76 from player number 77. I, I don't understand how we're arbitrarily slapping these rankings on guys. Marcus Peters ranked 79th uh, last year, 47, 47 spot fall at 78, Taylor Lewin at 77, Odell Beckham Jr. So, like, I, I don't understand how you determine that four games, five games, whatever it was, two games of Odell Beckham is good enough for 77th place. And it's sparring, sparking debates. It's, it's making people talk about these guys during the offseason. I totally understand that aspect of it. But I don't like a hundred player ranking. Maybe just give me 25 and we'll call it a day. I, I guess that's, that's all I need. I, I'm with you. And I, I think you hit it on the head. I don't think any of them actually, be, you know, are sitting here and will, will argue to death that, you know, 77 is that much better than 78, but they make those lists longer. So people like us click them and then get into arguments and then tell people, Hey, did you see this article on this website? And then people go and click it. 
I think a much more effective. Unfortunately, that's how this you know industry yeah, whatever kind of works. Yeah, but I think a much more effective way to rank these guys, if you want to do the top 100 players, you do 10 at each position group. I, I want to see who the top tackle was. I want to see who the top quarterback was. I want to see. I don't want to see uh, Marcus Peters ranked against Bruce Irvin. Like, I, that's, yeah, that doesn't really or even or even even a, a wider disparity. Marcus Peters ranked against uh, a Kyle Long, an offensive tackle, an offensive guard. Like, I I don't need to see that. What is that? Okay, compare Show me their Nathan versus Zach Martin and stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, like, like that. Show me their ranking within their player position. You know, that's I think that would be a much more effective way to go about it. Who do we, so, uh, who do we have to call? I think I'll, I'll put a floater out there to my guy Raj, um, okay. and we'll uh, we'll see if he if he bites. Is Raj your guy or like station? I don't know. I don't know if he's anyone's guy, but uh, why don't we uh, jump into a guy. <laughs> why don't we okay. jump into a little buy or sell? You go first, matter. Okay, Joe. We talked uh, talked NBA playoffs. We talked the LeBron side. Buy or sell though? The the Raptors are the worst one seed of all time. I mean. Anytime you say of all time, I'll sell on it just because historical context, probably you could pull up somebody worse than them. But I don't know if it's a matter of Toronto struggling in the playoffs regardless of opponent or if it's just a mental superiority that LeBron James has cast over them. The spell of LeBron James that he has put over LeBronto or whatever they were calling it. That's a hell of a night, by the way. Last night, the best thing I heard was he was referred to as the LeBronosaurus, which was great. Um, But it's, uh, I I don't know if they're the worst ever, but they have just absolutely fallen to their knees in front of the Cavaliers the last three seasons. Well, then I I, I guess I'm probably with you. You can probably go back and find someone way back when, but... In recent memory, they're absolutely the worst one seed I think I can think of. They struggled mightily with that eight and then just absolutely got the doors blown off by, granted, one of the greatest players ever. But And I think, I think another reason that I sell on them is regardless of their one seed, they weren't, they're not the best team coming out of the East. I, I don't think. They weren't the most complete team. It just goes to show how little the regular season matters to these NBA players. They don't care if they get the one seed. They don't care where they're playing the game. As long as we get two at home, we'll take those two and we'll move on to the next round. Like, that's essentially the approach nowadays. That's, I mean, that's how the Warriors, the Cavs, all those really yeah. good teams do it. Yeah, you don't have to be a one seed to get it done. All right, all right Matt, uh, coming at you off the top here. Buy or sell, the Boston Red Sox will come out of the AL East. I don't know how much AL East baseball you've gotten to watch. Obviously, it's hard to avoid the Yankees and their highlights, that sort of situation. But uh, Boston, New York, Toronto, all within seven games. Toronto's really got to do something here in the next two, three weeks to to make themselves uh, relevant again. But uh, we're back. We're back in the days of old, where Boston and New York are going to battle it out for the AL East championship for the AL East title. Um, buy or sell, Boston walks away with the AL East title this year. I'm going to sell it. I think the Yankees do. Uh, I, think I do, too. I think it comes right down to the wire, and you know, it'll be something that, you know, probably last week of the season they're still competing for. I think the Yankees probably edge them out, but I think Boston, whoever doesn't win that division, is going to run away with the first wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, yeah, I'm going to sell them with the Yankees. I think that lineup is, in the long run, too good. I think they've won 15 out of 16 now. Oh, when, I, they're gro- when they're grooving, they're, they're just fun. They're hitting they, home runs. They are. I mean, that's that middle of the order with Sanchez, Judge, and, and Stanton. It's it's almost unrivaled. And then 
I think they still have the, the prospect depth in that system to go out and get whatever it is their big need will be at the deadline. It'll probably be, they'll probably try and find, you know, the top front end starter. I would imagine to go get, but I, they'll have whatever ammo they need in the minors <clears> to go, so, you know, support the big league team. And I'm not sure if Boston has quite as much as, as New York. I think New York can outbid them in just about any offer they want. I, I agree with you there, and I don't know. Uh, additions aside, I don't know if uh, if there is a stronger lineup right now. I know we talked about Houston, but uh, but New York it looks like a complete ball club right now. I'm excited too for I mean, ESPN. Whether they're good or bad is going to show you know Yankees, Red Sox on Sunday night every Sunday night five six times a year. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually excited that those games are like if we're going to watch them, that those games are back. They're, those teams are actual, like, real rivals again. The, the games matter. They're, they're all both really good and all that kind of stuff. And those games will actually have, like, a big game feel to them now rather than the last couple of years where they're getting pretty dull. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I think your turn hit me. It is my yeah. turn. Uh, I, you know, we talked about wedding season, and it got me thinking about some fashion uh, topics that I wanted to ask you about. Um <laughs> I want to ask buy or sell uh, the, the, the cufflink look. Do, do you mm-hmm. like the cufflinks with the French cuffs, or do you like the, the traditional button? When do you wear a cufflink? I guess it's probably not an every you know occasion type thing. Yeah. I, I, I want advice because I've had moments where I'm like, I kind of want to wear these, but then I think like, no, I, I'm going to look like I'm trying a little bit too hard. So, so buy or sell that look, and when am I cool to go with it? I, I buy the look. I, I think that there's a place for the cufflink, a place at a time for it. You always rock a cufflink when you're in a tuxedo, if you're black tie, or if you're black tie optional, it's a nice way to spruce up a suit if you're going to go in a suit in a black tie optional situation. I'm, I'm a classic cuff guy. I think it, it provides a more streamlined look down there around the wrist. Um, also, if you're wearing a nice timepiece, uh, uh, a French cuff can often uh, detract from that. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just calling call it a timepiece. Right. Oh, wearing a nice watch. It, it sometimes detracts from that. I like the cufflink. Especially what I like about a cufflink is oftentimes, like I've never bought a cufflink, but I probably have four or five pairs of them because they're gifted to you. They have a significance of something. Uh, my parents gave me nice Fenwick ones, Shield ones when I graduated oh, high school. Nice. Uh, I got nice Northwestern N ones after my master's. Uh, I think I have some... Uh, I have some Bears ones. I have a couple pairs of my grandpa's. So there's always a significance to the cufflink. Uh, it's not something. Uh, it's not something that you go out and seek so I could wear a cufflink. But sometimes you want to throw them into play just to someone you love or a time that you want to remember. That's that's yeah. my approach to the cufflink. I got some nice uh, some nice initialed ones for when I mm-hmm. when I stood up for my brother's wedding. That was his, his, his beautiful gift to the groomsmen. He got you know initialed cufflinks. Those are cool. Yeah. Um, what else do I got? Uh, shout out Jack Sweeney uh, when when he got initiated in the Sig, got me some some Sigma Chi cufflinks. Very nice. Those are Very pretty nice. nice. All honor. Um, all honor. And then, all honor. Um, <laughs> and then I also got the I got I don't know where I got these, but I have them now. Um, they're cufflinks that were made from a a game like an actual in game like NHL puck that they, ah. that they turned into cufflinks. Those are pretty we'll, cool. We'll galvanized cufflink. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Just well, to show yeah, people I, I'm you a have, hockey guy. You have my you have my cufflink green light, so uh, okay. go it's for not, it. But if uh, I got your green light. That's really all I care about. Make sure that. that that French cuff shirt's not too big. That's often oh, French 100%. cuff can get a little can get a little long in the arm, and then you just look like a mess. So yes, uh, it's, it's, that's the shirt you got to try on before you buy. It's, it's tough to do the oh, online yeah. shopping with those ones. Oh yeah, all right. I just well, for a tuck yesterday, Joe. Congratulations. Yeah, that was pretty good. You look fantastic. Yeah, just want to let <laughs> you know that. 
All right, Matt, buy or sell, and this is less of a buy or sell and more of just me wishful thinking and wanted to hear you talk about it. Buy or sell a Tiger Phil Sunday pairing in the final three groups. I mean, I'm just going to buy it because it's, I want it. It's such, a so hard, badly. it's such a hard uh, buy, but... <laughs> if it, if it, I'd love to see the odds in Vegas. I'm probably getting, like, 100 to 1 odds at that happening, and I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I really... I, so I guess I'll sell it because I don't think it'll happen, but, man, I really want to see it. Also, bonus buy or sell, Matt. I just, just came sure. up on my, my feed here. I'm sure you saw pictures of it. Buy or sell Tom Brady's Met Gala look. Ooh, I think I did... <laughs> It was like a black, black suit with like a bunch of like gold patterning. The lapel right? had like gold designs on it, but my problem was with his hair. He was rocking the goofiest side part, and there looked to be some spray and dye. His hair looked like it was a different color. I don't want to be critical of the goat because I love Tom uh, Brady, you know, but I, there was so much wrong with, with his look last night. Well, I feel like he's married to a model and probably gets into the more, you know, Super fashion type thing. I don't know. This, this is not Tom, a topic don't, for me. Don't, I didn't stick for, don't stick up for this look because Tom. I didn't think he a, looks good. A trillion black tie events. A trillion, and I know the Met Gala. There's a theme, and you're supposed to follow the theme. And this was apparently in the theme, but uh, I think you go in a little different direction there, Tommy boy. Yeah, I, I my uneducated opinion is that I agree with you. Thank I you. Think I, I, I appreciate think I covered that, that very well. Uh, do we have a mailbag, or are you going to shut us we down? Do, we, if we got time, we can get to one. I think this one was, was pretty mailbag? good. Um, so it, it's similar to last season, but, you know, last year, we, we had last podcast, Jesus. Uh, we had wedding season, but it, it's also with the, with the heat warming up here, Joe, it, it's getting to be grilling season. Mm. So I want you to talk. I want to just talk about the we can If you want, we can do some sort of draft. We can just talk about our ideal grill setups, you know, what, what you're cooking, what's on the side, what are you drinking, what are you listening to? All that kind of stuff. So what? So what do you okay. want? To, how do you want to go about this? How I'm gonna. We got to talk. You know, talk just a couple. Just a couple grill tips. Just a couple grill tips. And I don't consider grill, myself. You, a gri- you grill. I grill a lot, but I don't consider myself a grill master. Now this is where no. I was going to go with it. You say you grill or don't grill fish. Depends what type of piece of fish, and it depends how tight the grate on your grill is. Most grills have a wider grate, and that's why I am very anti grilling burgers and steaks. Burgers and steaks belong in the cast iron. I'll even bring my cast iron if I'm grilling, like, some kebabs and vegetables, but I want to have burgers and steaks grilled, too. I'll bring my cast iron out, put it on the grill so you have that flat service, get you the sear you want on the steak, really traps and all those juices, and you don't get any fall-through from those burgers. If you have a nice, juicy burger, sometimes you get a weird shape or a fall-through. I like, I like to grill chicken. I like to grill some fish. Uh, yeah, I'm you know, afraid to grill chicken. I, I, I've gone I, big. I always think I'm going to undercook the chicken. Well, here's the foolproof way to do it. You okay. butcher the chicken first, you go kebabs. I've been big on kebabs lately. You, you butcher your it, chicken? You get your chicken. You don't butcher it, but you, you chop up your chicken into smaller pieces. You throw it on there with a little red onion, little bell pepper, chicken, red onion, bell pepper, chicken. You, you know, you, you stack them on there. And it's an easy grill. You just rotate them right there on the grill. Been big on the kebab lately, so that's my that's my new grill go to is uh, kebabing kebab anything. I'm on a kebab kick, Matt. But uh, yeah, I just you know if I'm going to spend the money and and buy a nice big piece of meat, buy a nice steak, I want it to be done right, and I want to do it in the cast iron. That I can see. I, I'm I'm I think I'm with you there on the steak. The burger though, I don't mind keeping on the grill. I don't yeah, think I mean, you lose too much from it there. 
but I don't really, I don't really grill. I feel like if I'm grilling a steak, it's more like I just went and bought like a skirt steak from from you know Mariano's yeah. or something. It's not all that expensive. That, I'll just throw it yeah. on there. It's, it's on there for two minutes, so you're not really losing too much, anyways. But uh, what, what's what's the go-to eat? So you don't really do the side or kind of have stuff around. You just everything kebab now. Is, is that where you're at? Oh no, we go kebab. Uh, kebab's always nice. You know, kebab's a very Mediterranean approach to the grill. So a little couscous on the side. We do some grilled veggies. What is couscous? Uh, it's a grain. It's it's a, a low carbohydrate grain. In that's not quinoa, but it's in it's somewhere between rice and quinoa. Like it's that curled okay. shape of quinoa, but it's I more rice. I've, I've seen. Oh. I, have, like, heard I had couscous last it night. It's years. fantastic. I have fantastic. no. I had no idea what it is until now. You could have well, told you, me it was literally anything. I would have believed you. Well, you got multiple couscouses too. You got the pearled couscous, which is the traditional, but then you have the finer couscous, couscous, which is more of a. Uh, dusty is not the word, but it's a smaller grain. It is fantastic. It's great for a side. We, uh, I like to do a nice, I'm doing a nice, uh, you know, a chopped caprese almost, where a little mozzarella, a little tomato, it's mozzarella basil from the it's mozzarella. Mozzarella. And a little fresh basil, you toss that up with the kebab. It's a nice mixture there. But uh, I'm lucky enough at my, at my new place, uh, I'm 10 steps, 15, 20 steps from the pool here, the pool area, oh. and uh, two massive Viking grills. So uh, we've been we've been lucky enough to uh, to put in some work outside here. See, I, you went so in depth and like complicated, not complicated, but very in detail, and you, you got a lot of fancy things going around there. I'm a mm-hmm. lot more basic when I grab just grab some burgers, grab some brats, grab some maybe some corn, throw it on yeah. the grill, and we're we're done in you know 20 minutes or ready to eat. Love a broad off the grill. That's another one I forgot to mention. But uh, yeah, you can go you can go quick with the grill. Gri- the grilling aspect of of what I'm going with is still very quick. It's the preparation oh, yeah. that you got to put it's a little. The prep it takes time. I'm not you know the the prep for yeah. me is you know put, put some salt man, and pepper on the burger, throw time, it on there. Next time you're thinking next time you're thinking burger, go to the cast iron with the burger. You'll be pleasantly surprised. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Maybe maybe <laughs> maybe I'll I'll try that one time. I love the cast iron because if you're in a rush or your your temperature's off, you you've seared it to the point you want. You take her off the flame, you throw her into the oven. You finish her in the oven. She bakes nice. It's a very versatile pan. A very versatile pan. You are. You, you know, every time I'm, we have questions, I'm epicurious. Every time we have these for. questions, I, I don't think like you can top you know what what you did the last mm-hmm. time or how you answered mm-hmm. or stuff like that. And you every time you you impress me with these answers, the details. I threw this one at you. Why? You did not know about this mailbag. I just kind of threw it at you, and yeah, I'm, 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 mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. Joey. You're prepared. Thank you. You, you answered it very that. in detail. That the was word, the word is the word is the word is epicurious, and I think last I don't week know you were talking about exactly. Last week you were talking about your oh, dictionary. You your, your look up. Yeah, it's it's of discerning taste, taste okay. sensitivity, and taste. I believe. What are your yeah. before before we we move on to the to whatever we're finishing with? What are your thoughts yeah. on the before? You, what are your thoughts on the cheddar brat versus the normal brat? I'm always going normal brat. Cheddar brat, really? I especially people if don't give the cheddar brat enough credit. It's good, but if it's coming fresh off the grill and it hasn't had a second to sit, there's nothing worse than that like cheddary, gooey. And this is going to be questionable, but explosion that you get, you know, because you get that snap of the brat, and then there's a weird goo. Well, see, usually just, I give it, you know, usually I, I kind of give it like a little bit of a, a, a crack in the bun there to kind of you know mm. let it. Like, like, like okay. open let it, it do an, off a little bit. Let, let it, it do an ooze. Kind of come out. Yeah, let, let it ooze a little bit. Let it, let it cool off because it's hard to bite into it. even a normal bra. You bite right yeah. in. And I it's just a little bit the, hot right away. I love you. You crack it just a little bit. 
You let it cool off for about a minute, and then you then you go at it. I just love the classic uh, the classic um, taste of a of a, I'm not a good a good worst. By the way, I'm not yeah. knocking classic broth. They're fantastic. I can eat a million of them. But I, you throw a little cheese on something, it's it's ninety nine percent of the time it's going to be better. You might have to go get a brat and a couple beers for lunch. Got me, yeah, got me thinking now. <laughs> all right, Matter. You uh, were that, that's the mailbag, and uh, I believe I believe that's all we have for the people. Hopefully, they uh, appreciate our our grilling techniques and whatnot. And uh, as always, it's been a pleasure. So why don't you shut us down? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Okay, Joe. This one's this one's simple. Uh, I I uh-huh. did some math, which is dangerous. Um, but we're, we've, we've reached the ha- over the halfway point. We are now 109 days away from kickoff of college football. It's 120 mm-hmm. days since the Georgia-Alabama game, that national championship game, the Epic game. So I just wanted to congratulate us. We've kind of made it to the peak, and now we're on the downhill. We're on the downside. So we, we see light at the end of the tunnel, Joe. I can almost, I can almost hear the music from that that college foot that football open we did last year the football preview show i can hear mm-hmm. that open playing in my head right now because we're so close 109 days we are almost there it's almost college football season so congratulations guys we we, we made it basically we made it to the we're, we're past the on part. the back here now we're on the downhill you're at the end of the workout you reach the you reach the peak and now you're just kind of coasting down you're letting that bike just kind of roll before mm-hmm. you know we're going to be there it's summer Summer's going to fly by, and the next thing you know, we're going to be kicking off somewhere. It's a random Thursday night. I think it's like four awful teams that are playing, um, but it doesn't matter. It's going to be college football on your screen. We're almost there. That's all we're I got. We're, football, there, we're a football podcast, and I, I felt it. I needed that. Point. I, needed I know that, you, and I, and I, and I know there's some people you. that listen to this that needed that, too. I <laughs> you're, a man of the, you're a man of the people, Matt. I'm a man of the people. That. We appreciate that from you. And we appreciate the listeners here on the Moose and Roots Podcast, episode 55. We hope you enjoyed. As always, jump out there on Twitter. Send us your mailbag questions. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. We appreciate your support, and uh, we do it for you guys. And uh, Who am I kidding? We do it for ourselves. We have a blast with this. So it's been a lot of fun, Matt. Thank you, as always. Episode 55 of the books. We will talk to you guys next week with a player's championship roundup as well as some more playoff talk coming down the stretch here in the NBA and NHL. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Have a good one. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was Awesome! <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.